Welcome to the We Are Invincible podcast, a project of Wakagape. We are conversation starters, question askers, and prayerful ponderers. Join us as we invite others to the table to meet and celebrate all of the indispensable people that love Jesus. We believe that as followers of Christ, we are invincible when we are united as one. To learn more about other projects from Wakagape, visit www.wakagape.org. Welcome. Uh, my name is Julie Erickson. This is episode 12 of We Are Invincible podcast and the last episode of our first season Woo! that we have been uh, able to podcast. So uh, kind of like this awesome dream come true, but we're still like figuring everything out here. So joining me today at the table is Elise Hull and I have known Elise for I think five years. Yeah, I think so. Is that it? Yeah. And so Elise is, uh, we always, uh, she was our boots on the ground to uh, walk agape when all of the facets of walk agape were coming together as the Lord brought them all together. Elise was the one that was out doing it uh, in a different country, <laughs> on a different continent. So welcome, Elise. So glad Thanks. You're here. It's so good to be here. So you were a missionary in Uganda. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> excuse me. So today we are going to talk about the practical side of Proclaim Everywhere. Because Carrie and Jessica talked about in episode 11 um, how Proclaim Everywhere came together. Um, the Lord brought it all together. And so now we get to talk about the practicality of it. And so I just wanted to ask you a few questions about your time in Uganda. So I guess the first question is, tell me, tell me how, like, it differs missionary, quote unquote, missionary thought processes according to the American Western church versus mm-hmm. like real life, what you did in Uganda. Like, were there things that you went with preconceived ideas or were you just like, Hey, I'm here, I'm winging it and it's all new or give me, give me some of your thought process on that. Yeah. A little bit of both. So One thing with this is like, I'm definitely speaking to a really specific culture and tribe. And obviously some of that is translatable, but a lot of that is all, you know, specific to that area and that people group I was working with. Um, But as far as going with like preconceived ideas, man, I had so many. I remember um, going on like a short vision trip type thing and kind of trying to travel around Uganda and pray through where the Lord wanted me to be. And um, I just had this idea in my head that like my dream was to start orphanages all up and down Uganda. And that sounded really wonderful. Right. And like, everybody's like, I love all the orphans. This is the best thing in the world. Of course, of course, everyone's going to be behind you in that. And what like a lot of people and people in the church don't know is particularly out of Uganda, but really out 
um, of a lot of developing countries is orphans aren't truly orphans. Typically they have other family and some of them have been like swindled into putting their kids in orphanages for, you know, like um, a better life as far as like getting them educated or having, you know, more stable um, food and resources and different things. And so once I kind of discovered that, I was like, oh man, I would be part of the problem, <laughs> like a bigger pandemic wow. problem. Okay. And, um, and I also had a different journey in that now I'm part of a small, like house church community. And some people, when they hear house church, they're like, do you mean the really weird culty ones? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> preconceived ideas that come with that. Um, but when I first started kind of the missionary journey, I was backed by a big mega church. Um, and that was really different, you know, having like mm -hmm. missionaries come in and speak on like a certain Sunday. And then I was connected with a Pentecostal church, which was a whole different kind of world. And then I got connected um, through the mission organization. I ended up meeting on the Uganda side because I moved to Uganda independently. I just felt like the Lord was calling me there. And I moved just by myself after I graduated college, which isn't the norm for most people. Most people find a mm -hmm. um, organization and then they get trained and then they go. And I just went um, for better or for worse at times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, so wow. that the mission organization, I served with them for um, about a year and then they took me on kind of formerly, but they are a house church network. Um, and so I think going back to your original question, like one of the biggest differences is um, just the community and the like responsibility that every individual in the church takes um both mm, on the mission field okay all in right america you know so it's not like oh these are the frontliners that are going it's like no we're all frontliners how do we support and move one another towards that so but yeah tons of preconceived ideas i mean i was young and just like i'm gonna save the world and this is what like young white women do is they run to africa and help all the orphans and i was just uh -huh. so wrong <laughs> so i i thank you for sharing yeah that that definitely um but a lot of bells are ringing for me yeah, yeah. i've heard that before i've heard mm -hmm. that um and it's so always a great cause, right? Like, I mean, right. I do think my heart was in the purest of places. And I think a lot of people that are similar in my, in my shoes also are, and definitely don't want to discourage anyone towards missions, but yeah, recognizing those like biases that we have or those preconceived ideas is like really important for sure. And having right. a community to help you work through that as mm. well. The community part. I love that you touched on that because, <laughs> and it sounds like the organization you were with really, it was an entire community wide. It wasn't singling out uh, a person or like you said, the frontline workers yep. to you guys do this and we'll just send you money. You yeah, know, absolutely. I mean, it was like everybody took responsibility for it mm -hmm. and it sounds like it anyway. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's actually a really beautiful picture to have yeah. that. Um, when you, I can remember, um, I think some of the first times when we were talking, uh, you were telling me about how you, and I think another gal, maybe it was a group of you were going to 
was it a bar or a, a, a brothel or a, some part of the city where these where the people were that you mm-hmm. were trying to minister to was that how was that like the first time like for you was it yeah. scary was it challenging did it make you get out of your comfort zone like tell me a little bit about that well I'm super extroverted so I love speaking to like new people I love just chatting with people and Ugandans are really friendly and um it's encouraging because the like one of the primary languages there is English so um I, oh, that was when I was in Kampala and I was only in Kampala for a short amount of time. Majority of my time was spent in Kiramoja, which is in the Northeast part of Uganda. Okay. Um, but I had a short stint in Kampala where I was um, helping some mamas and some babies that were coming. And um, yeah, I partnered with this ministry that now is U.S. based. They kind of had a bit of a foot in Uganda as well, but it's called CERT Ministries, and they do a lot of really awesome, like, anti-trafficking um, mm. stuff, and now one of the headquarters, at least, is out of California, but anyhow, so they, tra- they trained um, the one of the families I was living with and helping with their upcoming birth, and so, yeah, it was really beautiful. Like, we um, we would always take some time to pray and worship um, kind of beforehand, and we would just pray and ask the Lord, like, okay, where do you want us to go? And we would just take some time to listen. Um, and then we would wait for somebody to share a vision or a word or a picture they got from the Lord. And so um, I'd have to go back and look at my journal for that particular time. But <clears throat> I know, like, I think that that, that time there's like one of us had seen um, in that like prophetic prayer time, like kind of a rock wall type thing. And then another um, person had seen like a lady in this like blue dress. And so we went driving around and there's like this pretty popular bar um, that has this big rock wall uh, on it. And that's like, so we were like, okay, that's where we're going to go. And then sure enough, there was a gal sitting in a blue dress, kind of like right as we walked in. And so we just sat and chatted with her. And, um, you know, sometimes like, yeah, it's, it's heart wrenching because there's the reality of their needs are so real and so felt Mm. and you know the the needs of their children and stuff and so there's such a tenderness there and there's just not a ton of resources so I think that there's like Mm -hmm. there's like a lot of joy of being able to be like hey there's this other option and also like this um a lot of sorrow of like there's not a whole lot of options and so how do we help empower you to get to that point so there's sometimes like I would you know, like uh, leave really discouraged and pretty, you know, just feeling beat up. And then there's other, other times where we have a really fruitful conversation and then the woman want to follow up and then like kind of take steps on her own to get out mm-hmm. of that lifestyle. And then other times, you know, they would want to chat and then you never hear from them again. I do mm-hmm. remember this is a funny story, but, uh, for people I don't know, I met my husband while I was there. And so one time I, we were both in the Capitol and I invited him to come with us and he kind of wasn't, um, he's not, I don't know. Uh, he comes from like Baptist roots. And so he was a bit more conservative. So he was growing a lot and like listening prayer and stuff, you know, but there wasn't mm-hmm. a whole lot of like 
um, prophecy in that world that he was in. And so he came right. and we always right. had men with us. Cause like we, as the women would go out and talk with other women. Um, and then we'd always have men with us in case something went south. Right. And so, um, he's really protective, but I remember talking to this one gal on the street and we were just standing on the street chatting and everything. And then pretty soon she was like, do you know this Mazungu, which means like this white person. And I was like, Oh, what one? And, and we weren't really supposed to be seen together or anything, you know? And she's like, he just keeps right. looking at you. I think, I think this one must be yours because he just keeps looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so funny to to hear that you know so yeah there's lots of laughter and and also a lot of sorrow I mean I feel like that's just life you know right so. right right now I remember probably the most impactful story that you shared and you were forgive the expression on the front line of you proclaiming everywhere by taking an, a baby and saving its life. Uh, and I can't remember, and this is terrible, if it was a boy or a girl. Yeah, I it think was a, it was a girl. Girl, girl. Yes. yeah. So would you share that story? Because that story still, I think about it, and it reminds me of the power of God and about how, when we're willing to proclaim and you really, you weren't preaching at this woman, mm -hmm. like you were loving her in action. You were proclaiming what you were saying to her in action. Yeah. Um, and so would you, you don't have to give me blow by blow, but give the listeners a taste of what happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I still look back at that and I'm pretty, pretty blown away. So, um, I won't mention names, but they, um, yeah, so I, I got really interested in birth work while I was overseas. And so I partnered with, um, traditional birth attendants and local midwives through the government that I was, uh, like the Ugandan government and stuff and started helping out and just offering, um, whatever I could do at like the local health center. And, um, we would have prenatals for mamas and it's a very different model of care there, but there's this young gal who I had known her grandmother, no, I'm sorry. Her mother came to a house church that we had started like our um, mission organization and stuff. And so she came to the facility to get some prenatal care. She's pretty young. They don't really know their ages there, but you know, I think she was maybe 19, 18 or so, and it was her first pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So she gave birth. Um, she gave birth to one, and then uh, and then another one came, and she did not know that she was carrying twins. So it was a big surprise. And um, she took the babies home, and unfortunately, she didn't have a ton of women in her life that could kind of care for her and teach her how to care for her babies and these are like you know early small twins healthy for twins for sure but still like small and obviously needing more mm -hmm. so she um she didn't end up this sounds awful but it, it is a lack of education not a lack of love she ended up not knowing kind of how often newborns need to feed and then her milk didn't come in 
enough. And so she was trying to feed two newborns and essentially one of them um, just went to sleep via starvation. And so we had got word of that. Um, not a ton of people have phones. So word kind of traveled by mouth. And my team leader, Andrew, he had got word from another church member that one of the babies had passed away. And she lived in a village that was different than mine. And I was like, I was just heartbroken because I was like, man, if we could have just supported her um, to know how to breastfeed and how to support her as she transitioned into this motherhood, you know, like that baby didn't need to die. And so we took some time. We always um, gathered in the mornings and just had some prayer time. And so we were praying and my teammate Carrie actually was um, saying how she really felt like God was telling us to go and pray over the dead baby. And all of us were kind of like, and this isn't like, this isn't something that we walk in every day, right? Like, it's just like, oh, okay, like, all right, if that's what God's asking us to do, then I, I guess that's what we're going to do, you know? So Karen and I hopped in the car and we headed out to that village and we were just praying the whole way there. And as I was praying, I asked the Lord, um, what baby had died. Cause I was, I had, I had seen them in the health center and when they were first born and like was with mom and stuff. And, um, I felt like he told me, uh, that the, that, uh, so baby one had already passed. I felt like he told me that baby two had passed, but that wasn't his will. And so we got to the village and the grandmother was there and they buried uh, the babies very quickly. It's super hot there. They bury them within like a few hours. Um, there's not like a coroner or anything. So we got there, the baby was already in the ground. And so Carrie and I were like, do we, I mean, we can't ask for them to dig up this dead baby. Can, can we, you know, and just we're like, right. where, how far do you go when you have this prophetic word? So we asked her where the mom was and um, she said the mom and baby number two went to this health center down the road. So we were like, okay, we're going to go to her. So her, um, the, the grandmother had jumped in the car with us and we went there. Well, we didn't know, but the mom had had a dream the night before um, that we were coming and she decided to go, she went to a health center that was further away from a better health facility. And I didn't really understand why she did that, but she said that in the dream, she couldn't, she would have went on a footpath and we were driving on a road. And so in the dream, um, she knew that she would have missed us if we were coming to see the oh. baby. And so she went to a different health center. So we got there and she came out and she just had the baby wrapped up, um, kind of on her chest and they use a lot of like cloths and stuff. And she just said in the local language, like there's no heart. And I was like, what do you mean? And then I said, let me see the baby. And I just, I was like, get in the car. We both got in the car and I was just told Carrie, I was like, you just, just drive just as fast as you can drive. Mm -hmm. And so I said, let me see the baby. And I pulled out, I mean, just this tiny bag of bones. She was, mm -hmm. I think she was 927 grams. She was so tiny. Like the biggest thing on her was her pubic bone. And, um, so, um, Elise, just to interrupt you, what is that in like our, our pounds? 
Oh, I'd have to. What do you I'd think? Have to look that up. I don't know. <laughs> okay, okay. I thought you might know. I'll you guys at home will have to look that up. It's very small. I mean, she was like. It itty, sounds like itty, she was tiny, you know? tiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think okay. uh, like two two kilos is a pound. So, right? No. Other way, I don't know. No, no. Yeah. I'm Sorry, terrible we'll have to look at this up. stuff. <laughs> Maybe just want to Okay, go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. so um, so tiny. I pulled her tiny. out, and yeah. I had Carrie stop the car, and we went around to the back of the vehicle, and I um sat her down, and I had actually had a previous birth where the baby came out really uh, um not breathing super floppy, didn't look like he was going to make it. And at that time I didn't really have much experience. And so I didn't really know what to do other than to pray. And so I just was like, I pray life over this baby. I pray life in Jesus's name. And I just said that over and over again, that baby came around. So then, you know, I have another dead baby and I'm like, now I, I didn't know how to do CPR and stuff. And so I checked and I couldn't find a pulse. The heart wasn't beating. I mean, she was, she was gone. And so I did a few rescue breaths and I just told Carrie, um, you know, we both just started praying life in Jesus's name and praying in tongues. And, um, and then she came back. I mean, it, it truly was miraculous. So I put her skin to skin, which is a phenomenal tool and we mm -hmm. just gunned it. And I called the midwives that I had worked with and I said, I have a really tiny baby. She just died. Can you please get stuff ready? And so we got there and they didn't have anything ready. <laughs> Oh no. And so we like oh. ran in and, and, uh, I remember trying, uh, the midwife was putting in the IV or she was like getting, I was like, we need an IV and stuff. And she was like, this baby's too tiny, Elise. Like we're not gonna, or she used my local name, but she's like, there, there's no, she's not going to make it. And I said, well, we have, we have to at least try, we have to try. And so Mm -hmm. I think on the third time she tried twice and her little veins were just so tiny, you know, mm -hmm. and then we just prayed over her and the third time she was able to get it in. And so we, um, yeah, we ended up bringing the, the health facility really wasn't set up for a tiny baby. Um, mm -hmm. and so we talked with the parents and the grandmother and we talked with the health facility. And, um, so we kind of were in partner with them and we ended up bringing her home and I did skin to skin with her the whole night. The mom was, um, terribly afraid of, you know, losing death is just such a common thing there. And so oh. there's a lot of dissociation. And so the mom was, um, uh, she just, you know, her baby had already died. Her other one was gone and buried. And so she just didn't even think that she would make it through the night. And clearly there's not a ton of like attachment type parenting and teaching. Right. right. So, right. so I stayed up with her. We gave her like little tiny drops of food through a syringe and just try to like, you know, nurse her through the night and kept her temperature up. And we did that for quite some time. Um, and then I remember that next morning talking with the mom and she was, she was really just, I mean, I just can't even imagine how she felt, but just overwhelmed. Right. And so she wasn't mm -hmm. really willing to touch her or be near her or like do anything. And so, um, she, uh, the mom and the baby just stayed with me in my hut for like a long time. And my teammates and I kind of went off and on. So I did nights with her and then I'd sleep a bit in the morning and then, um, they would watch her and help the mom with her during the day. And so we did that for a while and she, she grew, man. Like she just continued to, to grow. And, um, 
And then at one point, I know the story is long, but it is really beautiful. It's okay. I, I, it, 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 it was a, it was a really long process, obviously, you know, and, and, uh, well, at one point I got to do a manual prayer, which is a type of, um, it's, it's just a type of interactive prayer with the Lord, um, mm-hmm. with the mom. And it was so powerful. She, and it wasn't me. I wasn't like sitting there saying, this is the gospel. This is what you have to do to follow Jesus. Like she was able to encounter and see Jesus with her and Jesus give her like his gospel from him. And I mean, it, it was just really beautiful, but that came out of, I think the biggest thing for the proclaim everywhere is like that always has to come out of relationship. And so obviously this is a huge, (laughs) right? Like not everyone's helping a mom or like in a dire situation like that, but there does need to be this like relational piece before you just go out and like become an evangelist and like, Hey, here's everything. Like, I think that there's a place for that. And you see that in like, you know, the new Testament and stuff. But I also think that there's a really like beautiful depth when that relationship is married with that proclamation. Um, so yeah, she, she's alive now. She's got a little baby brother. Mom's doing better. And the beautiful thing was when she got pregnant a second time, she knew how to breastfeed. Like we worked with her even with nursing and trying to relactate and attaching, um, and like really healthy attachment and stuff, you know? And so, yeah, the little baby, she still has, um, it seems like she still has some physical, issues I think from the lack of oxygen and different things um so we still pray for her you know and I think that there's questions that even I have of like yeah why didn't the Lord when he brought her back like heal her completely and what do you do with that and I don't know but like he has a plan and she's alive and the mom has this beautiful (sighs) testimony and yeah it's really really beautiful Oh my gosh. That's, I love that story. I know. I know. It's just such a beautiful, and you, and you nailed it in the fact that you weren't preaching the gospel to her. Like you introduced her to Jesus in a way that unfortunately is not participated with in the American church, in the Western church. Right. And I mean, what I'm seeing is that you showed her literally Jesus yeah. by caring for her, by educating her, by nurturing her and her child and, and then having Emmanuel prayer with her mm-hmm. and she got to encounter Jesus for herself. Mm-hmm. And that that's proclaiming like, Oh my word. You're like just such a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so, so much for sharing that. Coming up next are common unity questions. We're going to dig a little deeper and have a little fun. Be sure to stay tuned. Are you enjoying this podcast? We're looking for partners. Join us over on our Patreon page to learn more about how you can support this volunteer-only organization. We've got lots of really great projects on the horizon, but we need help to pull it off. Depending on your tier, patrons get early access to our podcasts, behind-the-scenes footage, bonus content, monthly video calls, 
and access to a patron-only Facebook group for even greater connection. If your heart is resonating with the mission of Walk Agape, we want to know. We want to know you. We want to know your heart. We want to be partners. Come join us over at Patreon. www.patreon.com slash Walk Agape. And now, our common unity questions. I uh, want to kind of segue into a couple of questions and I, I, I sent them to you to kind of prep yeah, yeah. you a little bit. Um, one is, is uh, more serious and the other one's kind of funny. So we'll do the serious one. So, and I, I can't wait to hear your answer because um, of the story you just shared. But if you had one minute to describe Jesus to somebody, what would you say? Yeah, so I would, part of my story um, and part of my, uh, like my healing journey really all began with Emmanuel prayer. And if Mm -hmm. you don't know anything about Emmanuel prayer, go to emmanuelapproach.com. Carl Lehman kind of spearheaded all that. And he's just a beautiful soul. And Mm -hmm. it just, you know, it's one thing when like somebody tells you, that Jesus is there. And it's another thing when you see it and when you experience it and when you're able to grasp onto that, you don't necessarily cognitively like make sense of everything. Right. So like those bad things of like, why isn't this child healed fully or why did this thing happen and stuff? And so, yeah, I think if somebody asked me like how I explain the Lord, I would just say Emmanuel, like he is Mm. with us, like in our sin in our rebellion, um, in our darkest moments. And in those times where it's like so joyful and he prepares us, you know, and, um, I just feel like I have seen that time and time again. So I I would say he's with us and it kind of sounds like a platitude, right? Like something that like, of course you're a Christian, everybody says that, but when you (laughs) like experience that, it's just, it's just completely like shifts everything, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes, I've got to experience Emmanuel prayer actually with you. And yeah. it is, it's life transforming. It really, yeah, really it is. is. And now it's, it's just all I do. I'm like, you got a question? Cool. Let's ask Jesus. Like, I don't have your right. answer, but he does, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Who better than to go right to the source, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, and so the second question is, if you could be any animal, uh, which animal would you pick and why? Hmm. Yeah, I did. You know, I, I went back and forth a lot with this. Um, but I think I'd say an elephant. I love elephants. Mm. Um, they're just so majestic. They're ginormous. And like, I, I lived pretty near a, a local safari and actually a lot of the villagers hated elephants because they would always come in and ruin their like farms or big gardens and stuff. And uh, it was like a legitimate big thing, you know, but right, right. yeah, it was just like magical driving. And then you're like, oh my gosh, there's an elephant over there. <laughs> and just so <laughs> wonderful. So yeah, I think that they're really fun and I like that they're like, they're just big and they make themselves known, you know, and mm. they're just like, you just got to be comfortable in your skin when you're that big and like, that's, you know, you're just like, right. Hey, I'm right here. This is what you get is what you, see. you know, and I love that. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I've heard that they're the mama elephants are very good mothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. And they I, will, like, mourn. Elephants mourn when they lose oh. an, another elephant or a partner or a child. And I just think that it's really beautiful. I mean, heartbreaking, obviously, but also really beautiful. Oh yeah. Oh, that is beautiful. Well, Elise, thank you so much for taking time and sharing with us today and uh, reliving some of those stories and how I just want to thank you what you do and, and people like you who love so well and, and love people that are so different than you, people that their cultures are different that you accept people exactly where they are and don't give a list of rules and you need to do this and you need to do that but to just love them where they are and introduce them to Jesus in the way that he has given you the gift to do that with and so I just want to thank you for you being you Um, you add so much to the body of Christ and to walk agape and you walk agape so well oh, so you, i'm just uh very kind words well um i i'm just so grateful that the lord brought you into my life and um that our relationship continues and and so i'm just gonna say thank you and yeah. <laughs> have a good evening <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much i appreciate it i'm happy to be here You've been listening to the We Are Invincible podcast, a project of Wakagape. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Wakagape to join the community and get updates and encouragement throughout your week. Come back next week to meet another part of the extended family of God. We're real, we love Jesus, and you never know who's going to walk through the door. Thanks for joining us. We hope you come back to the table soon.